If I've not met you before, just extend my welcome. Uh, my name's Tim, one of the leaders here. We're starting a new series this morning. It's my privilege to launch that, and then over the next number of weeks, we're going to be looking at uh, different aspects of uh, the, what we've called as a series, To Be or Not To Be. Now, it's a series on Christian character. And a lot of Christian, uh, a lot of character issues are to do with our attitude, to do with the way that we think. And this series is going to cover aspects of Christian character or mindsets that sometimes contrast starkly with today's culture. Romans 12.2 says, don't copy the behaviour and customs of this world. But it's so often hard to know what the behaviour and customs of this world are in contrast to what those are for those who are in Christ. But it goes on and says this, and this is the good news because this is an act of God at work in our lives. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, what is good and pleasing and perfect. Now we've entitled this to be or not to be. And you think, well, isn't that um, a, a quote from Hamlet that Shakespeare wrote when Hamlet was contemplating whether he wanted to carry on living, which he wasn't enjoying very much at the time, or whether he wanted to take his own life and contemplating whether that might be even worse, to be or not to be. Well, we're not looking at that But what it does imply is that when it comes to Christian character and mindset, there are decisions for us to make. It's not, well, whatever will be, will be. And we're going to be looking at things that we do, things the ways that we think that actually enable us to grow and grow uh, to be more like Christ. And we're going to look uh, today at humility, to be or not to be humble. In uh, future weeks, we're going to be looking at to be or not to be pure. Uh, we're going to look at another week, to be or not to be anxious. I think that's a not to be. Uh, to be or not to be a person of integrity. And then to be and not to be passive, which I think is another not to be. So today we're looking at to be or not to be humble. But can I just invite us just to pray? I'm just going to lead us in prayer first of all. Because what we want to do, and one of the reasons we come to gather together, as well as to worship God and to fellowship together, is also to grow in Christ in the light of our reflection and feeding on God's word. So Lord, we just come before you and we ask that today you would cause us not just to be challenged by you, but to be stirred to be different. And we pray, Lord, that you'd just help us, that you'd speak to us, that you'd grow us to be more and more like Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. So it's to be or not to be humble uh, today. So when you think of humility, what comes to your mind I mean, it might be Uriah Heep, the fictitious character in David uh, Copperfield, written by Charles Dickens, who goes around all the time confessing his own humbleness. Or it could be Mother Teresa, who truly was uh, a very humble woman, uh, Mother Teresa of Calcutta. Or 
It could be when you think of uh, humility, uh, you think of someone who's weak, insignificant, or ineffective. When you look at the Bible, the best examples of humility are in the Old Testament Moses, of whom it says, Numbers 12, 3, now the man Moses was very meek, more than all the people who were on the face of the earth. And the other one, Jesus, who when we look at Philippians 2, we see as the most humble of all. But neither Moses nor Jesus would be considered to be called weak, ineffective, or insignificant. And so we need to understand what true biblical humility is and then understand that that's a very Christ-like quality that all of Christ's followers are to grow in. Now what I'm going to do is just share from my own experience and my own observation six things, and there are many others, but six things that make you humble. (coughs) All from really from my own personal journey uh, and uh, from my observations. And the first one is this. The first thing that makes you humble is becoming a Christian. Hmm. Becoming a Christian is actually an act of humbling yourself before God. In Matthew 18, uh, 2-4, Jesus called a little child to him and put the child among them. And then he said, I tell you the truth. Unless you turn from your sins and become like little children, you will never get into the kingdom of heaven. So anyone who becomes as humble as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. See, when we become Christians, there is an end of self-justification. We're literally saying, I'm wrong, God is right, and I need his forgiveness. That's humbling. And we make ourselves humble in order to accept his forgiveness. Then we live a life of gratitude as we've been worshipping him. We've been doing that greatly today. Uh, Gratitude to Jesus for taking the penalty of my sin and forgiving me when I didn't deserve it. It's a wonderful thing. Grace is a humbling thing, isn't it? In contrast, in our culture, it's all about reward because of performance. You did so well and look at the reward you got. You deserve it. It's a real contrast when you become a Christian. We didn't deserve it. We come humbly because of his grace, just as we are. We come to him. Becoming a Christian is also an end of self-reliance. You see, when we become a Christian, we're saying this, I'm not the master of my own destiny. God is. We're putting our lives into his hands. Jesus is Lord. Paul said, it's no longer I that live, but Christ who lives in me. Our culture is all about you can be who you want to be. I can create my own abundant life. I can put my holiday package. I can do my house. I can wear my clothes. I can do the job that I want. And I can create my little heaven on earth. That is not what we've been called to do as those in Christ. We've been called to be those who recognize that he is the master of our destiny. We are not our own saviors. God is our saviour. And the third thing, just to highlight, that when we become Christians, that is very humbling, it's the end of self-importance. The most important person isn't me, it's God. 
Our culture is all about you've got to look after yourself. You've got to push yourself forward. You must follow your dream. You now live life as a Christian to glorify God. He's the most important. And our desire is to serve, please and honour him. But even before we get too smug about this and think, well, yes, we've, oh, well, that's fine then. We've, we've just become Christians. We've learnt some humility. Even as Christians, we can fall into pride. We can think of ourselves as the most important. You know, God, who I believe in with all my heart, he's here for me. He's here to serve me. He's here to bless me. He's here to get me out of trouble. It's all about me. You know, it's a sad Christian who's a me Christian because Christians truly are meant to be Christ-centered. It's all about him. Now remember what actually happened then when you became a Christian and seek to live in the good of it. So the second thing that makes us humble is looking at the stars. What's that about? Well, you could relate the stars to creation as a whole. It's not uncommon to hear someone when they become a Christian to say that when they became a Christian, they really appreciated nature and creation much more fully. Suddenly it gave context and meaning to what they see. Their eyes were opened. The psalmist in Psalm 8 says this, When I look at the night sky and see the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars you set in place... What are mere mortals that you should think about them? Human beings that you should care for them. There's something about the glory of God that is expressed in the whole of creation that just makes us feel small, which is what we are. And yet God deeply cares for us, which is greatly humbling. The psalmist in another psalm said this, Psalm 19, The heavens proclaim the glory of God. The skies display his craftsmanship. Day after day they continue to speak. Night after night they make him known. Opening our eyes to see the world that God has made is actually a humbling thing. God, how great you are, what knowledge you have, what wondrous person, all-powerful that you are, is absolutely amazing and mind-boggling. It humbles us as we realise how big God is and how small and yet how much he cares about us. Now, one of the things that robs us in our culture Uh, of the the real awesomeness of God when we look at creation or when you watch Blue Planet or any other wonderful thing where we just get to learn about and admire what God has done is something which is actually very good. But a common excuse in our culture used for not knowing God is science. Romans 1-2 says that Forever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. Our culture is very influenced 
by some scientists who sadly put man and chance in the centre of all their reasoning and thinking when they interpret science and scientific discoveries. But the good news is that not all scientists acknowledge, um, are like this. And there are scientists that do acknowledge God as creator who gives meaning to their science. Some of them are in this very room. One who's a very eminent scientist who is not in this room is a, a physician uh, and uh, an eminent scientist, Francis Collins, who said this. I find it oddly anachronistic that in today's culture there seems to be a widespread presumption that scientific and spiritual views are incompatible. By investigating God's majestic and awesome creation, science can actually be a means of worship. Isn't that fantastic? Now there's a humble man who knows a lot but acknowledges creator God in the midst of his research and his profession. Now, how do I recognize pride in my own heart in relation to this as a Christian? When I want the universe to revolve all around me, I want my way. I want my preferences. And I want my priorities over others, etc. Rather than recognizing that the whole of the universe, the whole of creation, centers on Christ. In Colossians 1 we read that all things were made through him and for him and that he is supreme in everything and it's all made for his glory. And I have been made and you have been made for his glory too. And it's a humbling thing but a glorious thing to acknowledge that and to say you are the center and my life revolves around you. The third thing that makes us humble, in my list, is remembering that all that you have and are able to do are gifts from God. 1 Corinthians 4, 7 says this. How do you, what do you have that God hasn't given you? And if everything you have is from God, why boast as if it were not a gift? Now, if you think of everything you have from God, I mean, just make a list if you, if you like. You know, things to do with your work or your employment or your skills as a mother or a father, a parent, an uncle, an aunt, uh, or whatever. Uh, your possessions, your relationships, your abilities. Whatever you have, the scripture clearly teaches is a gift from God. And so therefore, there is no basis for boasting. Which is an outworking of pride. Because now the essential me isn't wrapped up in what I have or what I can do. It's now wrapped up in who I am in Christ and who Christ is. And what I have and what gifts I have doesn't, don't define me. They don't define my image or my identity. My essential identity is now that I'm in Christ and that is enough. However, far from making little, therefore, of all the gifts of God, 
The scripture teaches us to use them to the full. And so when we look at 1 Peter 4, uh, 10 to 11, we read this. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself was speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Then do it all with the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. And so we are to benefit from and appreciate with deep gratitude everything God has given us. Every good gift comes from God and use them to the full. But we do it from a humble heart. And there's a big difference between that and just being proud and boastful. And the scripture makes that clear. Because what we're doing is doing it out of thankfulness to God and to give glory to him. Now, a fine example of that was mid-last uh, century, uh, famous athlete, Eric Little, who uh, was uh, a uh, tremendously fast runner, Chariots of Fire, maybe the film from years ago, a few decades ago, was written all about his story and uh, one other athlete as well. Um, and he became a, a missionary in China. He was a Christian. But he could run. And he said this, I believe God made me for a purpose, but he also made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. Now there's a man with huge gift and ability, in that case for athletics, who remained humble using that gift for the glory of God, knowing when he used it, he felt God's pleasure. Now, if you can use all of the gifts that you have, whether it's in art or music, and feel God's pleasure, then that's a wonderful way of knowing, I've been made for this, and I'm giving glory to God in it. Are you getting the message on that? So, how do I respond to things like uh, uh, praise, uh, for example, or the lack of it? Because one of the things you get then, well, if people praise me too much for things that I can do and can do well, that'll just puff me up and get me all proud. Uh, and uh, that, that's quite a big thing. And sometimes you hear people say, well, I won't praise them too much because they might get, their head might get so big they can't get out the door and that kind of thing. Um, well, over the years, I've learned to receive thanks appreciation and praise for things that I've done. Not I've done amazing things, but, I, you know, things that I've done. And at one time, it'd all be like, oh, it was nothing. You know, it was nothing. You know, it doesn't really matter. It was insignificant. It was nothing when people come and say thank you. Thinking that was humble. Actually, that's not very humble. Because humility is appreciating what God has given you. And for me, I've I recently been thinking about the parable of the talents and how... When, when you and I go to be with Jesus, and we read in the parable of the talents that we then are accountable for the gifts that we've been given by God and how we've used them, how we've been entrusted with them, Jesus himself gives praise. He says, well done, good and faithful servant. Now, at that point, you're not going to stand before Jesus, I don't think, and say, oh, Jesus, it was nothing. I mean, Jesus doesn't thank you for nothing. He thanks you for something of substance. He says, well done. For something of substance. And it'll but what it will be when you're before Jesus. And he's saying well done good and faithful servant. For the way that you used what he gave you. 
for his glory, it will make you humble. You'll feel humbled, grateful, and thankful for his grace and his mercy and his goodness to you. And if you can project that backwards to when people thank you for something you've genuinely done and that they genuinely appreciate, rather than making you feel proud, for me, actually, it humbles you and makes you grateful and thankful to God that he would choose to use you to be a blessing to somebody else. Does that make sense? And I think just getting it in the heart You can then receive praise. So when someone now says to me, Tim, I really appreciate what you did. It was a great blessing. I can say thank you. And I don't need to add God on the end. Oh, it was all of God. Well, it wasn't that good. (laughs) But I'm acknowledging in my heart that every good gift comes from him. Does that make sense? I think it humbles us, remembering that all you have and do are gifts from God. Now... A deeply a helpful biblical definition of humility is found in Romans 12.3, where it says this. Don't think you're better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith that God has given you. In other words, humility is an accurate estimation of who we are in relation to God and others. It's not inappropriate self-exaltation but it's not inappropriate self-abasement either, putting yourself down. Pride is the overestimation of our self-importance in relation to God and others. But a humble person has an accurate and we need to ask God to help us uh, with that assessment of ourselves as Romans 12 exhorts us to do. Right, here's the fourth thing that I think makes us humble. Knowing that apart from Jesus, you can do nothing. Jesus said, John 15, 5, Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. It's recognizing that however gifted you are, apart from Jesus, you can do nothing that can bear lasting fruit and will be of value in terms of his kingdom. So how in this case do I recognise pride in my own heart? Well, one of my observations of people who I really honour as humble people is if you're able to eavesdrop into their prayer lives. Now, I've had the privilege over many years of being able to pray with lots and lots of different people and be in prayer gatherings with lots of people. And one of the things I notice about the humble is that they're frequently asking God, God, please give me wisdom. God, please give me strength. God, please give me your anointing, your ability to do what you want me to do, one, uh, do done. God, I'm relying on you. And then you see them living a fruitful life because they're acknowledging that apart from Jesus, they can do nothing that will bear fruit. Now, humility is not however, a lack of confidence. Paul, one of the most humble Christian leaders that there has ever been, said, I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. And we've been making some bold declarations this morning as Hudson and the band are leading us in our worship. 
And you could think, wow, these Christians, they're, they're rather full of themselves. No, no, we're not. We're full of Christ. And because we know that we can do all things through Christ, not apart from him, who strengthens us, humbly, we can be confident that what God has called us to do, he will enable us to do. Does that make sense? You see, that's why we could talk about Moses and Jesus as humble. They truly were. They knew where the source of their strength came from. So the fifth thing that makes us humble is an obvious one, really. It's following the example of Jesus Christ. Philippians 2, 5 to 9 says this. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling on to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. And when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names. The humility of Christ that we are to emulate is secure. It's not looking for position or recognition. It's not comparing yourself with others. It's not holding on to your rights or your privileges. It's obeying God, even if it means suffering for him and making sacrifices. And Jesus showed us that humility is to serve and not to be served. And although I'm not going to read it, Matthew 20, 25, 28 is hugely relevant to today when Jesus speaks about how leaders are to serve rather than consider themselves worthy of being served. Not just in church setting, but in business, in the arts, in the nations. Jesus calls to follow his example, which is servant leadership. And if you're in business or if you're in education and you're in a senior position, actually what you're doing is serving even more people with greater responsibility because God's entrusted you with that. And that's a humbling thing rather than a means of becoming proud. The sixth thing is thinking of others. What makes us humble? Philippians 2, 3 to 4 says this. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others is better than yourselves. Don't look only to your own interests, but take an interest in others too. Now, when it says, be humble, thinking of others is better than yourselves, hang on a minute, that's a bit unrealistic, isn't it? If you're a fantastic musician and you're brilliant on the guitar or the piano, and you're comparing yourself with someone who's just learning, to say they're better than you seems a bit, well, it's a bit of a fib, isn't it? It's a bit of a lie. You see, what it's talking about here, when you're, and, and you should recognise where you are in terms of, you know, I, I'm more accomplished than this person, and stay humble with it because that gift was given by God. What this is talking about is value. When you're considering others as better than yourself, you're giving them value because they're valued by Christ. 
They've got hopes, they've got dreams, they've got aspirations. God is at work in their lives, whether they know it or not. And it's giving people value. Don't just thinking of yourself. And it's such an important thing. And that is what also makes us humble. Dress yourselves, it says, with humility in 1 Peter, as you relate to one another, for God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. I love this quote from Tim Keller. The essence of gospel humility is not thinking more of myself or thinking less of myself. It's thinking of myself less. Now, I'm going to go straight on to the last point, um, Shanu. To be or not to be humble is a choice. Over two and a half thousand years ago, at a time when people had turned their back on God, similar to our day, as their provider and definer of what is good, the prophet Micah said this, The Lord has told you what is good, and this is what he requires of you, to do what is good, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. This is an invitation to the people of God to make a decision. In James 4:10, humble yourselves before the Lord, and in due time he will lift you up in honour. I tell you what, it's better to humble yourself before God. The Bible tells you, Old and New Testament, again and again, than be humbled by him at a later date. And God promises to bless the humble. In Isaiah 66, I will bless those who have humble and contrite hearts and tremble at my word. And in James 4, 6-8, we read this, And he gives grace generously. As the scriptures say, <clears throat> God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Come close to God and God will come close to you. In the natural, we can't do this. Pride is too deeply entrenched. But he bore our sins on his, in his body on the tree including our pride. If anyone's in Christ who's a new creation and Jesus has done everything needed to give our pride a death blow through his death on the cross and to cause us to grow in humility, Christ-likeness. And then he's given his spirit, Ephesians 4, let the spirit renew your thoughts and your attitudes. So let's pray, shall we, that the Holy Spirit just helps us to grow in humility to be even more like Christ. Shall we just stand together? <clears throat> if you want the Spirit to keep renewing your thoughts and attitudes... If you want him to remind you how humbling even the act of becoming a Christian actually was, it's all about him, not about me. To remind you of all of creation made for Christ's glory 
and I'm a small part of it, and yet he deeply cares for me. It's amazing, it's humbling. That all that you have and are able to do are gifts from God for his glory. That apart from Jesus, you can do nothing. That you were called to follow the example and attitude that Jesus had. And we're called to be humble, thinking of others better than ourselves, to give them value. Then, Lord God, we pray. I pray. I feel short of this, Lord. But I want to grow more and more in it. And I pray that by your spirit, because I can't do it in my own strength, you would keep growing the likeness of Christ in me. The love that comes from him. That you'd enable me, not just in a Christian community, but in the workplace, in my family, in my neighborhood, to not be trying to impress others, but to seek for them to be impressed with Christ because of the way that I am. Forgive the huge amount of my pride and create in me the humility that is in your very heart even though you're the creator of everything. Thank you so much for all that you are. I give my life afresh to you. In Jesus' name and for his glory alone. Amen.